Who's this? He's back, ladies and gentlemen. He has returned. <laughs> the world's number one Kojima stan is here. So I had to make my entrance. What an intro. Thank you. Thank you. The best part was that we didn't even see that, ladies and gentlemen. We literally just seen the Millennium Falcon, and that was it. <laughs> oh, I had the, I had the camera turned off. Wow, you know how to make an music hit, you know? I mean, when it hit, nope. I'm gonna stop right there. I'm gonna stop. You're right. Definitely. I have generally no clue how to try and restart this because. It's been like maybe a solid two or three weeks since we last had one of these, and I'm suddenly thinking, wait, how did these shows work again? How does words work? <laughs> I think it's also that things have been slowly returning to normality at a bit too quick a pace, if you know what I mean. Yeah, very yeah, much so. I'm just out of work. I know what you mean. Ugh, um, my place uh, actually just held a small uh, party for everyone, just saying uh, thank you for helping out during these troubling times. And it did really help for morale. They had like small barbecue and stuff like that. And you know, those like proper greasy takeaway burgers, you know, the ones that are like, it's not fine cuisine, but in the moment you're like, this is like the best thing. Yeah. I've been there. It's what we need. And truthfully right now, I feel like I just want to mention this beforehand. The reason we've had these sort of longer breaks is that, you know, we have our own personal responsibilities and stuff like that we're all dealing with. And there's also been stuff in the news recently where I felt like it was better to give it time to breathe, to have more important conversations be heard right now. Mm -hmm. yep. Keeping it uh, proper for a second, um, we are fully on the support of Black Lives Matter. And if there is anything we can do, it's just here to give a positive energy and to say, look, we're all here to support you. And we're mainly here just to talk about films and games and just have a fun time. So if this in some way helps with alleviating that, that, that will have been really good for everyone. Exactly. All right. I think I got my groove back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Talking Crap About, the only film and video game podcast run and approved by Gingers. And a half ginger. And a non-ginger. Michael has returned for this episode, and there's also Peter, the fan favorite. Bing, bang, bang, bang. All right. You know what? Didn't know we were doing character polls all of a sudden. All right, no. Oh, it's there. I mean, we've established you're the offer writer drinker type of the group. Peter is the energy, and I'm just the basic one of the bunch. You're not the basic one. You are the host. You are the one that is here to. You are the mediator. See, this. I'm going to make another personality trait. Positivity. We need that positive vibes. We need everybody to feel included and warm and welcome and secure. You know what I mean? <gasps> We're just going to build a big fort full of pillows and we'll just all go under there. That actually sounds amazing. It does. It also sounds like a mess of a pillow fight. Oh, only when. What was that, Michael? Say that again. Oh, my. Is it only when we get bored? Oh, no. Is this a challenge between you two? Is there a fight going on? 
There's a fight going on. <laughs> so, how's how's everyone been? Uh, working. Going back to dealing with the general public again after what two, three months? Yeah, you know, you know, just when you think the best of humanity, and then you go into work, and you go, oh, okay. <laughs> Here, mate, are you doing normal opening hours? Here, can I get this half price? It says reduced. There's so many points when working in retail is that, like, you observe how... I'll not say stupid, but... You observe how how silly the human race can be at points. Because I had one recently, I was doing home shopping, so essentially I'm going around with a trolley, uh, essentially just gathering stuff for deliveries that would be sent out for the people who did online orders. I'm in the alcohol section just getting a few things, and like most of the other baskets, like nothing related to whatever section I'm in. And you have your fellows come in and go, here mate, are these reduced? Can I have some of these? I'm like, this is an order. I'm picking this out, and they're just like, is it? There is, like, literal n- no in- visual indication that this is meant to be here part of the alcohol section. Why do you think Tato's would be reduced here next to Carlsberg? Because... Well, you've answered that question there, because it's next to Carlsberg. <laughs> be different if it was next to Corona. We're actually, sold, we're actually sold out of Corona right now, because I've had oh, so many people yeah. come in and ask me about it. Wow. I love that. <sighs> Merry Christmas. Rock the socks are off. <laughs> Might as well be Christmas right now because I've lost so much track of time the last while. Like, the main thing that has kept me remembering what time of the week it is is usually on what kind of show or radio program I listen to. So I'm like, all right, so this fell is out. It must be Monday or these ones are playing. So it must be uh, Saturday of the second week, I think. Okay. That's a clever way. Or... yeah. Looking at a calendar? I dare you. (laughs) No, if I look at the calendar, it reminds me of how many cons had to be cancelled because I had one planned for late May. I think it was MCM, and I was just like, just going to cut that one out. And there was an announcement earlier today for QCon and DCC not going ahead, which I completely understand, and I do back them on that decision. I think it is better for them to put safety first over them yeah. than, you know, getting the crowds in, especially because putting aside the talks about the viruses that like those events have been getting slowly bigger in scale and a lot more people involved. While I'm happy for that, you know, from a business standpoint, it's also has me concerned about how it's going to progress in the future. Like by my guess, the earliest will probably be maybe early 2021-ish if they hope to maybe try and start these events up again. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, realistically, I'm probably the most things that I'm excited for is artists releasing music. Only because a lot of them will probably be sitting at home writing something up. Meanwhile, the producers will be writing like producing like a track for them to sing to and then it'll just be it'd be like the quarantine files it's gonna be great i'm really excited yeah i'm actually curious to see how this is going to be reinterpreted throughout the years because you know how like films have to like change all of a sudden to suit major events like i think probably one of the most relevant ones was 9-11 and so many american films had to be readjusted around that i think the original sam raimi spider-man had like that teaser trailer you know the helicopter got caught in the middle of the twin towers and obviously, like, that had to be removed. Mm-hmm. And 
I know, like, certain shows have to, like, go to the extent of how far they can go with this material. Like, I don't think Friends ever acknowledges 9-11 happening. It is in New York, and they do have, like, the establishing shots of the city, but I don't think there's ever an episode that points out that this happened. I think the most they have was a deleted scene, I think. It's like Friends would be... It should, because, like, New York is such a central part of it, but I think Friends would be the last thing I would think to reference... 9-11. Yeah. I can't imagine Chandler walking in going, you know, hey guys, have you seen outside? Yeah. I, <laughs> the, yeah. Could I be any more annoyed? The weird thing with Friends is that I haven't actually watched it start to finish, but it's always on in my house. So I can usually tell what season or which part of the show we're at, depending on Rachel's haircut. So long hair, season one, shortcut, probably around like seasons eight or ten. Wow. That is a true statement. Markdown. Not watching Friends has already like knocked my credibility of talking about shows just down completely. I will vouch for Friends to the day I die. Honestly, I still quite enjoy it, but it's one of those shows where I feel like the people who have been watching it for ages like generally do keep loving it. And then there's points. Yep, Peter, just pointing at yourself. You know, the um, subject in question. Exactly. It's just me and a few other people who we know. Not mentioning. <laughs> Not naming names. Speaking of TV, this is Binge Report. See, I told you, I'm getting my groove back. We're getting into this. That was a sweet-ass segue there. Hop off. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the editing part of this. So with Michael having played the Avengers theme, I'm curious if like I can get in uh, just audio version of that. And we could have like the meme of the people going like, oh, for his return. Yes. Uh, I see you've copied my beard. New, new haircut? He's my okay. friend. He's a tree. I'm Steve Rogers. But actually, I'm not talking about Steve Rogers, unfortunately. That I'll save that for another day. I've been watching the new Amazon Prime series, uh, Alex Ryder. Okay. This has been an interesting one for me because uh, these were based off the books by Anthony Horowitz. These were done back in the early 2000s about the titular teenage spy. And there was an American adaptation of this like ages ago done by, I think it was like produced by the Weinstein Company at the time. And like, it was awful. I mean, Mm -hmm. putting aside the obvious connotations of the name is that it treated it almost like a cartoon. Like it embraced so much of like the weirder, sillier parts of the book without ever really acknowledging like the more serious parts of it and the weird thing with that film for me was so much of it didn't really seem to know or treat it with much respect and i was curious if we'd ever see like another adaptation of it in the future i'm only two episodes into this right now and as an adaptation done like of a book that released back in 2000 and 2020 It's made some interesting changes. For the first point is that this show is obviously set more in the current day. Like one of the big continuity errors I have with the books is that Alex was always like 14, like from Stormbreaker all the way up to, I think it was like Crocodile Tears. That was the eighth book is that he was always 14. But obviously, you know, you're writing all those books over the course of years. Things from a continuity standpoint get a bit weird. Like in Stormbreaker, when he says, He's playing his Nintendo 64. You're like, sure, that makes sense. Although he's missing out on Final Fantasy VII for some reason. And and then in Crocodile Tears, I think that came out like maybe 2009. Oh God, I was in primary six when that happened. Is that he finally turns 15 
and he says he wants Assassin's Creed. So, to give some context, in the year 2000, they have N64s, they've been through two console generations, everyone has just started having a smartphone, and Assassin's Creed is out. Even though we should have went for Assassin's Creed 2 in 2009 because it's the best one and hasn't been topped since. Yeah, not Black Flag. No, definitely not Black Flag. So Don't push me on this. <laughs> the way Alex Ryder, the new series on Amazon, works is that it is set in just current day England. So it does remove, well, from what I can see, I've only watched two episodes of it so far, is that it doesn't really bother with the silliness of uh, some of the books because as like zany as they could get sometimes because you know in the first one he had like a game boy advance with different cartridges which would like go be like a, a detector or something like that i think one of the big things that a lot of people really seem to forget about the books is that how seriously they took the situation i mean yes it is a 14 year old spy in these situations but it wasn't afraid to like to get dark to talk about how weird and kind of a sociopath Alex is at some points. In fact, uh, the guy they have playing him is really good at just balancing these things because he's very like pleasant and kind around his friends and family. And then in public with other people, it's just like you get the sense he never really clicks. He's the guy you'd see at the parties, but never with a group. Ooh. If you know what I mean. So Michael. <laughs> I know. Hey! Michael's pretty good. Uh, no, I'd, no, I'd be more that guy, except, you know, I I don't I'm not nearly as attractive as him though. I'd sort of just be in the corner on my phone, just be like, ah, there we go. You know what I don't need, Mark? Not negativity for yourself. Thank uh, you. I said inclusive, we're dating with that. <laughs> Welcome back to the channel, lady. <laughs> I feel one thing that I am a little uncertain about is like the sort of visual direction they're taking this. Now, I'm not particularly sure who shot this, but a lot of the show's visual aesthetic goes for this, what I'm going to call quickfire Instagram style look to its cinematography. Like, you know, it's got some like very neon-esque at points. In fact, there's a lot of times when the characters are lit in silhouettes. And, you know, sometimes it does look generally quite nice, but it's the type of thing where I was like, so why is this being shot like this? Why is like this school in daytime suddenly being like shown like this and stuff like that, if you know what I mean? You have to question, was this done for a storytelling purpose or was it more just, uh, it looks cool? Yeah. I will say though, there is one bit that actually does do it really well. It's in episode two. This is shown in the trailer, I think. It's when he is locked in a chair in this room full of like, you know, those sprinklers. And it's this bird's eye camera shot where it goes from his face and sort of like tilts up so it looks down at him. And they do this twice. And throughout that scene, it's him like just completely being broken by these uh, interrogators. but. Like, he doesn't show it. Like, when they put on heavy metal music at full volume to break him, he starts singing a different song, looking directly at the camera. And it's one of those points where I was like, yeah, this is kind of how I always imagined this character would have been if he was, like, in this situation or on, like, being betrayed in film. Yeah, I get you. Did you, did you ever see the the Stormbreaker movie? Oh, the, uh, the American one? I'm going to be honest... Like, I did not... I mean, at the time, I liked it because, you know, when you're seven or eight, you don't really have critical judgment. But looking back on it, yeah. I really think 
that was a product of its time as well because if you go back to the early 2000s you notice that a lot of the book adaptations of that period were like usually like high fantasy or in that case were structured to be like very family friendly to get you know the broadest audience in and also just simplify a lot of the conflicts as well because back in that time they wanted very simple stories of goods and bad people and I feel like what this new interpretation is doing right now is that it's taking that same foundation but updated it in a way that it doesn't feel like, you know, it's actively trying to break, you know, genre standards or stuff like that. It's just saying, yeah, you know what, this book was made in 2000 and we like the story and all, but we're like, this needs some changes. We're going to, like, have to update how you put these characters in these circumstances and stuff like that. Yeah. I always thought that the Stormbreaker series is basically like Kingsman, but for teens. The series side actually note, makes... Side, the, the look that I got from Michael there whenever I said that, just as a side note, continue, Mark. There's some tension between Never want to hear a bad word said about Kingsman again. Kingsman is phenomenal, but I always thought that, like, thinking back on it, Stormbreaker was always a tame version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to mention this beforehand, is that the new series actually adapts Point Blank, which is the second book in the series instead of Stormbreaker. And I think that does it much better because I was mentioning how I feel like this new version needs to adjust to current sensibilities. And there's obviously no saying how long this took to make with contracts and shooting schedules and stuff like that. But the idea of like school computers with viruses in them, I think even outside of current circumstances would be kind of a tough sell. Yeah. I feel like I definitely need to watch a lot more of this to really get an impression, but right now I am really enjoying it because, like, this was a series I really loved growing up. Like, I had the audiobooks. Uh, they were read by Oliver Chris. Uh, I'm watching this with my mom as well. She was a big fan. And two episodes in, we, we are really enjoying it. I love that. And, and you said, what platform was it you said it was on? Uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. I'll so, take it off the list. I don't know how it. But I think they have the likes of Good Omen, and I think they have that new Star Trek Star Trek one with... Um... Captain Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> well, speaking of Amazon Prime, I have been watching a program called Carnival Row, which is also on Amazon Prime. Sweet. <laughs> Uh, it's one with Billie Eilish in the trailer. It's what, sorry? It's the one that has Billie Eilish in the trailer. What do you mean? Does it? No, not like, she's not acting in it, but like the trailer for it has, I think... Oh, her song. Uh, when we all fall asleep, where do we go, I think. <laughs> I remember Gears, Gears of War did that for their most recent one, and like... I remember thinking at the time, you know, you think of Gears as big and emotional, and then you have her voice come in for, like, this TikTok trailer. It's just like, what do you want from me? And it's just like, uh, what have you done? I like Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish is phenomenal. Like what do you mean? No, like, I, I do like some of the music, but I think there's points where I was just like, I don't think this fits Gears. And, like, that particular trailer, I went, yeah, I think this is okay for this moment. But I was thinking... Like, this is not what I think of when I think this series. It's the equivalent of that bit in the DMC reboot where Dante gets the original white hair and just goes, not in a million years. And you're like, ah. (laughs) Dante. Peter, your carnival show thing. Yes. Carnival Row is basically, it's like... Carnival show. (laughs) Carnival show. (laughs) Um, Orlando Bloom 
and Cara Delevingne is the two main characters in it. So, Orlando Bloom plays the chief constable of police, and Cara Delevingne plays like a fairy. Imagine Sherlock Holmes, but with satyrs or a fawn like Mr. Tumnus from Narnia. Fairies. Or Philoctetes from Hercules. Yeah, exactly. Imagine fawns, fairies, and like giants. It's basically fantasy meets Sherlock Holmes. I think it's in its own. It's in its own fantastical set, and it's in. Uh, it's based. I, I can't even give you a year because since it is a fantasy world, it looks like as if it is the same time as Sherlock Holmes around the Victorian area, um, and things like that. But it's just. I don't know what it is, but there's just something that's very uniquely Carnival Row, and I know that that like I don't know how to describe that, but <laughs> it's it's just very unique. To its own thing. Um, steampunk. Yeah, it's kind of got a, like a steampunk vibe, and it's also kind of got like a Game of Thrones kind of vibe because there's a severely religious faction in it, and then it's also got like political figures, and then it's also got like its own Cersei Lannister. What I'm basically trying to say is that it's kind of like Game of Thrones mixed with Sherlock Holmes and mixed with like a little bit of Narnia. I'm curious. I think I did see a trailer for this. I'm curious how the world building in this kind of show exists, because this being set in the Victorian era that you're saying mm-hmm. is that I feel like these kinds of stories or these fancy creatures would be better suited to there because I made the reference to Bright and there was also a Pixar film that came out recently that had a similar premise to that. I think it was called Onward. Yeah. And so they tried to put fantasy creatures or those kinds of settings into current day problems. And one of my big problems with both of those came from the world building because they thought like, this is a cool concept, but they never really stop and think, okay, they've existed in this world. How exactly has it changed around them? Like maybe to give an alternative example, one thing that always really annoyed me about Final Fantasy 15 is that all like the important characters within that story had like really cool designs that you would expect from that series. But then you put them in the towns with all the normal people and they look like cosplayers who got on the wrong side of the Holy Lands when they were looking for QCon. Oh, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this is just a personal attack on Michael this episode. Yeah, geez, I come back after a wee bit of a hiatus and you just all want to come for me? Well, maybe it's because that's your punishment for taking a hiatus, Michael. I can't even remember what it was for, anyway. I mean, fair. It mustn't have been that important, which means you could have made it, but fine, I guess. I cannot remember. But, um, yeah, Carnival Row, highly would recommend. But then again, it's always one of those... I'm that type of... This, this sounds really, really stupid, but it seems to be things that come out in the week that I was born, or around the end of August, seems to be stuff that I absolutely adore, and I can't necessarily put my finger on it. Would it be to do with, like, star signs? <laughs> Don't hit me where I live. I am. Out of here. That's, uh, <laughs> no, no, Michael, we need your insightful commentary. What have you been watching? Uh, I haven't... I've been really busy. I haven't really been watching much. I've done 41 hours in work this week. Uh, it's torture. Um, what have I been watching? Let's see. Let's rack the brain here. Oh, I have been watching Middle Ditch and Sh- Middle Middle Ditch and Schwartz. What did you call me? Netflix. 
Moody <laughs> little bitch. It's <laughs> <laughs> a new Tom type. Little Ditch and Ben Schwartz doing like <laughs> improv comedy, and I was like, I just. It's just one of those things, like, oh, it's on Netflix, I'll watch it, sure, why not? I didn't think I'd like it. But they take, like, one question from, well, not take, they ask a question to the audience. And from that, they make, like, a whole different scenario to it. But it's just the two of them. And you can, it's, it's comedy comes from them, like, trying to juggle, like, 20 plus characters with just the two of them. The first one is like, oh, yeah, this is, they start off by saying, oh, this is Danny. And then 20 minutes later, like, oh, that's Dave. Is it though? Is it? It could be if you want. The two of them just have great chemistry on stage and know how to work enough. And this is a stand-up? Really recommend. Yeah, it's like stand-up improv. There's only three episodes, but they're both, they're all like an hour long of like different scenarios. And it is, I didn't think I'd like it because I I, I wasn't a big fan of uh, Thomas Middleditch when he did like uh, Pete Holmes, or I think he was on. Yeah, like Schwartz, um, he did Sonic recently, I think. He was in the... Yeah, honestly, now that you say that, I think, yeah, I think he'd be the type who'd be into impressions because most of his stuff, I think, is in voice acting. I think he also is in that DuckTales reboot with David Tennant. He is, yes. If you need something like improv uh, heavy and also related to Sonic, there's the fan gamers dub of Sonic 06. It's been like memed and requoted a lot of times, but it's the type of thing. Uh, if I've had a long day, I just stick it on and I just lose my mind with the laughter. Especially because they have like the compilations of a lot of the jokes. In particular, I think the dub of the Sonic Adventure games is probably my favorite. I think YouTube is really where like I've been spending most of my week. See so much on it. I've been watching the the Final Fantasy VII Machine Abridged. Oh, is that still going? Um, I can't remember. I've only been watching like the season sort of wrap ups when they put them all into the one. But it is it's oh, so funny. But it doesn't miss any of the story beats. Anytime it needs to be serious, it's serious. That's the one done by Team Four Star, isn't it? Yes, it's Team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been like slowly rewatching yeah. some of their older stuff. So like I did a full uh, watch of DBZ Abridged. It's still really good. Like the joys of watching that is seeing it start as like this cute little fan parody and then at a certain point it becomes its own legitimate better version of the existing show um what i'm also doing for them is helsing abridged ultimate i haven't finished it but the few bits i've seen of it are just like really good yeah they know their stuff it's yeah pretty, uh, they like their dbz got shut down essentially well, i think it's also that like they want to go on and do their other stuff and you know what they've done more than enough for like that particular market if they choose but i'm also slightly concerned of what kind of projects they are pursuing now i can't fully speak on this but i do remember they did a pilot i think it was like one or two months ago called like diesel dust or something it was like the cg one it looked very much like rooster teeth's ruby kind of thing if you know what i mean and yeah honestly it's a type of direction that i I'm personally not a fan of. Look, whatever they choose to do, like, good on them, because I think in an ever-changing market, especially like YouTube, you want to find ways to stay relevant and stuff like that, especially because a large portion of animation on that site is mainly more story time videos, something like Jaden Animation's All Ones Out and stuff like that. So, like, when you get a pilot that does something really successful or on the rounds like Hasbun Hotel, it is a big deal because of it. Mm. I, I think... 
one last one I'm going to mention, and I wasn't planning this to be a section, but it's something I was had on the side. I was rewatching a lot of Edgar Wright movies recently. The King. My yes. favorite director. Mainly, it was the Free Flavors Cornettos. I haven't yet got back to Scott Pilgrim or Baby Driver, but uh, I'll get there eventually. Those things are still really good. They're still really funny, but there's also something else that happened on this rewatch because it has probably been maybe a solid three or four years since I last did a full binge of all of them back to back. And those movies get a lot sadder when you get older, I think, because you start experiencing the phases you've been through with these characters because I know they're all their own separate thing, but they all have like that loose connection of it's the same actors in slightly different positions and stuff like that. And I think it's turning that whole step of like in Shaun the Dead, he's the student and then in Hot Fuzz, he's sort of in the working life. The World's End, which that was the one a lot of people don't seem to have much affection for. And in some cases I get that thing really changed on this recent rewatch because it's a movie about getting older and also not falling out with some of the people in your past. And look, I'm not saying it's amazing. I just think it's a movie that my relationship with has probably changed the most in the last few years because I look at Gary King and I think to myself, shit, I think I'm slowly turning into this guy who's like very nostalgic for like older days of stuff. And then you think, was it ever that good to begin with though? Yeah, I think it was the ones that hit me. Sorry if I've got like all emotional on this. I just think it's interesting that like films that like I have always readily enjoyed suddenly change a bit when you get older. And if there's one thing I always appreciate about them is that as comedies, like they're very funny, but also that like they're not afraid to like properly dive into their genres and actually embrace them. Like The Last Fur of Sean actually does get genuinely tense and scary. Hot Fuzz does get, you know, very well directed with his action and stuff like that. And I think that's a shame when a lot of, yeah, because John Woo and stuff, uh, guns in the air, (laughs) firing out a window, is that I think like a lot of big budget American comedies are afraid to like really embrace their work. They just see comedy as like a lower art form that it can't really be more than what it is. Like I genuinely think the only film that's come close to like this kind of a style was Attack the Block. And I think Wright uh, produced that. I love Attack the Block. Generally, so underrated. I really need to give it a yeah, yeah, watch. Yeah, thank you, right? That's Attack the Block with uh, John Boyega, isn't it? Whitaker, yeah. I think about it. There's always points when you go back to stuff from a few years ago and you went, oh, this was then before, like, the blow-up happened. <laughs> the blow-up. <laughs> Peter is posing for the camera. I'm sorry, ladies and gents, you can't appreciate his fine physique. Shablam. Merry Christmas. Uh, I cannot see Peter either because my Wi-Fi sucks. Or is it me? <laughs> Nope, it's not me. I'm amazed. No, it's me. These are all great. You're all fine. I think the silence has existed long enough. Let's move on to our next section, Checkpoint Quest. You seem to be regretting your choice of joining us. No, I'm regretting my choice of internet provider. We'll have to start doing sponsorships, you know, get the money in and get that internet connection. <laughs> Better connection. Yeah, imagine like three episodes from now, we suddenly went, this episode is sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends, the most ambitious gotcha game uh, in existence. We are not selling out to Raid. 
No, and like I, I don't get why that <laughs> thing gets so much marketing because like it is literally just there as like pay to win experience. Ding ding. Hi, welcome back it's, to Talking Crap About. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible and Honey and Squarespace. Uh, I, yeah. I and use two out of three of those services. Can I guess which ones they are? Go ahead. Honey and Audible. Yes. Here you Because <laughs> I use Honey. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, so, it's so convenient, you know? Exactly. Wink, wink. Thank you this, so this much. Episode, Today's episode is sponsored by. <laughs> this episode is not sponsored. Okay, <laughs> we're just free people just managing a little show on the internet with fifteen followers on SoundCloud who are all beautiful and wonderful. But we ain't making that kind of money. Okay, we're very sorry. For myself, you know what? Let's branch out. Let's let's get some merch. We'll get some T-shirts, maybe some stickers. We'll start a let's play. <laughs> we'll start a live stream. We'll write a book. We'll do an audiobook for it. Talking crap about the Michael years. I'm getting what, what Michael was doing last week. I don't think I should clarify it because we're five episodes in, but Checkpoint Quest is the video game section of the podcast where we don't sell out. We actually use money to buy games, which we play, and then we talk to you about it. Which I don't what have I got, money for. What if I got the game for free? That's well, PlayStation Plus. You. We're not sponsored by PlayStation Plus. <laughs> I've been playing the Resident Evil 3 remake. I needed something just to get us off the sponsored talk, so... Mm. I talked about how I had put this game off for a bit because of the mixed reviews, but also just my own personal feelings at the time. Um, This was on a discount sale for uh, Xbox. They had, um, I think, summer sales are just starting recently. And... I'm in very mixed feelings about this game so far because the moment-to-moment experience of playing it is legitimately quite fun because it's one of those experiences that you can sit down maybe for a solid hour or two and you feel like you can make very good progress. Is fun with its gameplay and the exploration. The problem comes to the fact I was not expecting to beat this in one sitting. And... I know I was not rushing this. I am the type who likes to slow down, read the collectibles, see the sights. Like, if there's a photo mode in the game, I'm the one who is there trying to take the most aesthetically pleasing shots there is. Literally, I think two out of my six hours of playing Last of Us 2 has literally been me in the photo mode. Oh, I've seen the Instagram. So have I. We'll leave that emotional roller coaster for another time. The problem with Resi Free right now is just for me that, like, it just sort of came and went, which is really surprising for a big brand like this, especially because of the resurgence it's had in the last few years with uh, the previous remake and Seven. And, like, if it sounds like I'm being harsh on this, it's because there are things to like. Genuinely, I think. Jill is the best she's been in years. Like, she's funny, she's badass, she's all these things. Uh, Carlos's redesign is excellent. If you go back to his earlier one on the PS1, he literally just appears like a reskinned color of Chris's model. And in this, you know, he's much more charismatic. They give him the Keanu Reeves look, which is always a 10 out of 10 in my book. <laughs> Whoa. Do you know where Keanu Reeves was recently? Uh, where? Uh... In the Fortnite game. Sure, why not? And I'm out. No, Peter. <laughs> no, Peter's left because he had to drop that bit of news. I mean, it's not the most surprising thing. Like, I remember for 
Rise of Skywalker, they put critical plot information in Fortnite to expect us to experience that. Yes. <laughs> no, Michael was just like, Peter, how dare you? Because he realized that the game I will most likely be talking about is... Don't, please. I beg you. Um, Say, I it make... Say it for me. Say it for me. No. No. Resident Evil 3 Remake? Nope. Say it for me. Player Unknown's Battleground. Nope. Say it we for me. We will sit here all, all night if we have to. <laughs> Michael's opened his book. No, do you want to say it? So there's this line in Resi Free where early on Jill has to get to this part uh, through Big Load of Fire and Carlos just goes, surely a tall glass of water like yourself could get through that. And it's like, ooh, like some sass. Flirty. Ooh, and flirty. He wants to drink it. Stop it. However, one of the big problems oh, also comes from nemesis himself obviously he's the big built-up threat he's in the trailers when you think of resi free you think of him and in the first section it almost works because it starts in first person in jill's apartment and when nemesis attacks it suddenly switches back to third person and it's treated as one big camera shot of him chasing you down through the apartment and for the most part it is done well you know for experiencing it even though like if you do stop for even a moment you realize this is 100% scripted because you, there's a point where like you just sort of block a door you could actually sit there and not move and he will not attack because it's just like oh wait no this is scripting and I think that problem kind of persists throughout because yeah like that opening cutscene with him and especially when he walks through the fire I was like I am so excited to be ready to fight this guy at some point oh, oh, oh. And so what happens is... Like the Buffy episode? So the musical episode? Nice. When he first bursts through the wall, like this is the first player section, I was like, all right, I need to get out of here and just reload. And so I go around a corner and I think like, all right, I'll just load up. I turn the camera around and he is sprinting towards me. It's one of those, oh shit moments. I am so screwed. And I'm like rushing to fight. So I get a grenade. I'm like, all right, here we go. Last chance. Let's make this work. I throw the grenade, load the shotgun. Let's get ready. He's down. Wow. They build anticlimactic. They build this presence so much. <laughs> like you can go into like the toy shop at some point, you know, to find extra items. You can see him just hanging outside the window, like staring at you, waiting. Like your fellow wants to come in for alcohol on the Sunday at Asda. But it does so much to try and build up his presence, but the moment you actually engage with him, he's weirdly just kind of anticlimactic and weak especially when you compare him to mr x in the previous remake is that you know he wasn't always there but you always got the sense that he could jump out at any point like if you ever seen any of the behind the scenes you know that his model is actually like going around the environment actively trying to find you in this that is technically true but it feels so much more artificial like one early section with him is that when he gets the rocket launcher and at first you feel like oh this will be a great fight sequence no you have to run because like you can't engage with him it says you need to play it exactly by its rules so you have to wander off and there are these invisible trigger points where not a cutscene but he himself will do an action. I think there is, like, near the end of that escape, when you're going back to the train station, you pass this point, and he is meant to, like, go over a gate in front of you. But the way I was playing it, I was already far ahead. So when I got over this invisible trigger point, he just teleported. Just 
over the gate right in front of me, even though he was literally behind. I'm just like, this guy has gone from like a presence to just an annoyance, which is just not what you want to say about your stalking main, your main villain. Yeah. And look, here's the thing. It's not always that bad. Like he does have his moments in particular. He has a second form. It looks like he came straight out of Bloodborne for that second boss fight. I love and, that. Freeze it. And there's also, there's little bits I do appreciate here. Like the short runtime actually does help for just quick speed runs and stuff like that. Like I do get the sense I'm going to replaying this again, you know, just to find extra details and stuff like that. But I think the problem also comes from... For something that was made in such close proximity to 2, I think this was made very much as an extended DLC rather than an official release. And I get that was very much the same thing with the original Resi 3, because it was originally intended as a side game before being given the main treatment. Mm -hmm. But I'm just really curious if this is going to get uh, an extended cut or like a bigger version when PS5 or the new series of console comes out where it gets new features or new additions. Because there's also a lot of extra sections that also get cut out, which is surprising because they build up to the clock tower and it actually doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. I think the reason I'm being much more harsh on this is that I think after coming off two, which I really loved... This, I think, was made with the agenda of strike while the iron is still hot, and by still hot, like, maybe just a little lukewarm. It's still there, it's still a product, it's still, like, you know, is enjoyable and has its moments, but I would never recommend buying this at full price. Even, like, the £30, €35 price I went for was still a bit too much to ask for, and I really don't have much intention of touching the multiplayer mode. Mm, Fair. Yeah, it. I, I work in CX and I haven't actually seen it pass through our doors, mm. e- even for a trader. Yeah, which is strange because I get the sense most people would have gone for digital, and there was some plans I think a year ago to like do digital refunds, but I just think right now with all that's coming out, I think this was made in response to like a success to think. Well, I mean, it's there. We might as well try it. And look, this game does have its moments. I generally do love the last fight and the voice actor for Jill, I think, does an amazing job. But there's also this one moment which I think embodies why I think this does not work as a remake at some point, because one very early chase with Nemesis has her let off like the iconic line. uh, You want stars? I'll give you stars. And it's done like surprisingly really well. But at the same time, you're like, why is this done here in this hallway? And then the final fight when like he's in his giant monster form and she goes full platinum games with a giant railgun. And you think like, why couldn't the lion be done here? Sounds sounds very uh, Kojima as well with a giant railgun. So bringing it back. Yeah, as you can tell, I'm just I'm in a really mixed mood about this because I did have a fun time. I did enjoy myself. And it is still generally really pretty to look at as well. Like the RE engine is probably what they're going to be using for when the next generation of consoles kick off. Like they used it for DMC5, I think. Yeah, they did. In all honesty, I think if you were going to get this game, you probably already would have. But I'd say wait for discounts or sale because as it is in its current state, I don't think I can fully recommend this. All I needed to hear, (laughs) taking that one off the list. (laughs) I just think the list is just going to be an ever-expanding thing. Like, I think when quarantine started, I was like, great, I'm going to finally work through 
all the stuff I haven't watched, and I started it, and then I also realized, wow, I have way too much stuff. And I'm like, I might, I might as well just buy new ones and keep piling that on. It's ever-evolving. So, Peter, have you been playing anything recently? Well. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. Hey, you know, tag me in when he's done. Sure. I have been playing Alien Isolation. Yes! Yes! Wow, that was a major upset. I didn't see that yes. one coming. What a also, twist. I was what going to twist. say Fortnite. I did think you were going to say Fortnite. Well, you know what? I have been playing that as well. But that's mainly Fortnite been... Isolation, please. It's only been on, like, online whenever it's, like, everybody's bored. And it's like, you know what? Let's just play a game online. It's just been that. But anyway... Alien Isolation. I forgot how good a game that was. I got it whenever I first came out, but I'm replaying it. And I forgot how clever that whole system was. Because if you're sitting there and you're trying to get away from the alien, right? The next minute you use a flamethrower and you're killing it. And you're like, yes, I'm going to survive this. You're doing sweet. You're doing amazing, sweetie. You're doing it mean <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, I totally. Um, but you're you're like having a great time. You think you think that you're able to do it, and then the next minute you realize that it's become aware that you use a flamethrower to chase it off, and so now it sneaks up on you. And that's not the negative I'm lo- I'm looking for. You know what I mean? Exactly. You're looking for if you're playing Alien Isolation. <laughs> I mean, I was, if I'm being honest, I played the Alien vs. Predator game. Oh. Was that, was that the one on 360? Yes. Like, that is the ideal 7 out of 10 game for me. Like, I know it's flawed, but I just have such a fun time playing it. Same. Now, I thought it was going to be something similar to that, where it was going to be like the aliens could come and go as they please, and you could see them, and you could shoot them off, or do whatever you needed to. The majority of that time that I owned that game, I played as the alien, though, because Alien was by far the fun character that you could pick out of that. But I thought it was going to be like that the first time I played it, and I was like, okay, I'll be sweet. And then... The alien hit. <laughs> oh boy! And it's just—I don't—I don't know what it is, but it has got such a good horror aspect that I—I I, I don't know. It's just there's not a lot of things that scare me because my favorite genre is horror, like truly scare me, as in like I need to sleep with a light on type of like mm-hmm. type of stuff. But that just gets me every time. That thing. That yeah. thing. It's just like you're constantly on your toes. You're constantly like right where is it going to come from next you know yeah. what i mean and i think one of the things that also like really like hit me when i was first playing through isolation was it was already tense before the alien appeared you already got the sense of how thick and tense the atmosphere was especially like do you remember the uh, androids in that you know they look like the japanese dolls with all white faces and red eyes yeah. yep no, there's one hallway where there's an expo- there's an exposed bit of flame coming out and like about 10 or 12 of them all walk out at once. And the enemies are tough in this. Like you do have access to guns and stuff like that, but rarely do they work an effective crowd. And there's this one clip from a review that I watched when it came out and it's all of them coming out at once and they all cornered the player at once and it was absolutely like 
this is so well done and put together. Like, I remember this came out just a year after Colonial Marines, which was an absolute mess of a game. Like, I generally remember um, I friends in school, like they were massive alien fans, like they knew about the lore and all that stuff. And they were so excited. And the day after I went, so um, how's your game? Just don't talk to me about it. (laughs) Game over, man. Game over. Game over, man. Game over. Alien is one of my favorite movies, though, of all time. Like Sigourney Weaver in that movie is just phenomenal. So the fact that they that they successfully pulled off an alien game that was just as scary, but also not directly messing up the storyline of it, it just hit right. It was great. It definitely sings as one of those games made by a company, but genuinely loved what it was making. Like it very much feels, and I know this might be a bit of a weird comparison. It gives me the same sort of feeling of playing the High Moon Studios Transformers games, you know, War for Cybertron and Fall of Cybertron, because they were made by groups of people who were like genuinely really passionate that they loved the source material and what it represented. And when you're playing this, you're like, yeah, this is how I always imagined this being put into this particular format. Yeah. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was Creative Assembly that made Isolation, wasn't it? Yeah, they did a lot of strategy games. Yeah, their, like their background is in strategy, so seeing them leap from that genre to doing horror so well, it was it was good to see because they needed a they Sega needed a win. Yeah, <laughs> I also I also think that was just really unfortunate as well for this series, and to bring it back to Transformers as well, is that it was that rare point for like certain licensed games that they were actually doing really well from a creative standpoint because like in 2014 you had that and that middle earth game as well shadow of mordor which i phenomenal yeah and so often it's it was that rare period where they worked and i think it was a shame because they did eventually do a sequel to uh isolation but it was on mobile done by a different crew and it was more a five nights it's freddy's kind of thing ew I think it's just I don't have any intention of like getting around to that. And that's no offense to the team that worked on it, but it just feels like the hey guys, we're doing a sequel and it's on this. It's like, but that's not what you wanted. Oh, well, how about it's got micro transactions? Will that work? No, that's not what we wanted. It's everything we wanted. Billy Eilish. Billy Eilish. I had a dream. You get everything you want it. This point when I'm, I'm going to be listening back to this edited, and I'm thing. thinking how this conversation went from Alien to Billy Eyelash, and I'm thinking, what happened here? Like, how do we jump from this to this? I mean, does anybody care? No. <laughs> so I've been playing the Pokemon expansion. Hold on, I'm just going to make sure. <laughs> Yeah, that, I think that's the stigma around the DLC, if I'm being honest, because to give a little history lesson on Pokemon is that I wouldn't be into this series as much as I would have been when I was younger, because obviously when you're growing up in the early 2000s, Pokemon was like the big thing to be into and stuff. And like Gen Free, like that's my gen. Salamence, my Pokemon. But I think there was also that point around like... 2010, you know, when you go into all-boys secondary school, it's not, you know, cool to like Pokemon anymore. And I think that was the point I sort of fell off it. And it wasn't that I hated them, it was more just didn't have the interest in it as much. It wasn't really until a few years later when I think Sun and Moon came out that I got, like, interested in trying the series again. 
I actually really wish I can try black and white. I've, I've heard a lot of good things about them. The older DS games, especially Pokemon, can be like resold at like really high prices and stuff like that. So, like I think Soul Silver, the last I saw, was up to like 70 or 80 quid. With Pokewalker, yes. Exactly. Oh. Then I work for Shaden. Can I make a request? Sure. You know, whenever you record these Skype calls, does it also record the video? Uh, yes. Yes, it does. But yes. obviously doing audition just, means it cuts the video. Can you just cut out Peter's dancing for the last five minutes and run that on a loop when you upload it to YouTube? <laughs> That's actually weird because uh, I have you just minimized in the corner. And so all I've been seeing is Michael. Uh, so, oh, dude. so that means I'm going to go back to this point in the footage and think to myself, there's our boy Peter. I've literally been doing uh, everything I wanted by Billy <laughs> I hate me sometimes. Exactly, I also yeah, love me yeah, for I'm doing that. So the Pokemon DLC. Uh, yes, I love armor. Yeah. This is for Sword and Shield that was released on the Switch. Give me my brief thoughts on like that game beforehand. I liked it. I mean, like I said, my relationship with Pokemon wouldn't be nearly as strong as it used to be, and I sort of have this thing with any new game it's sort of just like you know i'll go in have a big playthrough start to finish to the champion and like eh, that's enough for me and in all honesty having this smaller pokedex in this was a little more appealing to me because the more and more they keep adding the harder it was for me to like stay on board with it and stuff there are points when you could tell there could be chances in this to be the next big thing for pokemon like when they introduced the wild area for the first time and you're thinking how great would an open world pokemon game be it feels like it only just scratches that surface because outside of that you still have to go through like the standard routes to the gyms and stuff like that and the quickest thing i can say about isle of armor is that it doubles down on the thing i was actually interested in which is like it is a new wild area and it also has a better sense of how to separate it out there was always this thing with the weather patterns where it's like you could start in one area and it's all missed and then you could like just go over this one point and then you're instantaneously in a desert. What happened between these two? How are we this far apart? Kind of helped we get here. <laughs> so the quickest thing the island does is that it has more determined areas as to where to go and stuff like that. So there is an actual like sand area. There is an open bit of ocean. There's a giant whale lord at the side. And every time you try to get try to get to him, Sharknado's attack. Also, like the rival trainer they introduce in this, uh, I'm on Shield, so it's Avery. It's the one with the telekinetic Pokeballs going around his hat. I hate this character. Don't like him. Good worse, rival, man. Worse than Hop. Worse than like other villains. It's just like, oh, I'm just, I I hate you, and then pretends to other people. Oh no, I'm great. I'm grand and all this, and then behind their backs, ugh, I dislike you so much. And genuinely, the first like big task you get when you go to the dojo is you get like your uniform for being part of that group, and your rival character comes in. Uh, where uh, where where's mine? The master tries to give it to him, and three really fast slow pokes grab it and run away. You get nothing. You Good lose. day, sir. And the challenge is you need to chase down those fast, slow pokes to get the uniform back. Like, wow. That's how kind of pathetic that rival is. I feel like that's the direction they try to take more of those characters. Like, some of them 
either hate you or some cases they're like pretend oh i'm your best friend and you're the greatest trainer out there and i'll hopefully overtake you someday and i don't mind that at points but there's times when i also remember the original pokemon game sort of like dropped you into a place no context no nothing just say listen learn these systems just go sort of miss that sense of mystery with it sometimes like you would be given like five pokeballs to say all right like practice experiment when you started shield uh, main game you instantly got 20 pokeballs 30 healing items and your starter is already evolved before you get to the first gym like that's sort of how like more user-friendly they make it and I know Pokemon is very much aimed towards kids. Like, they are structured in a way you can pretty much use your starter to just plow through all the competition. But yeah. I think there's also points where it's like, I do miss the experimentation of it at points. Mm. And slowly, I think this DLC does do parts of that sometimes. Like, when you start off, there's obviously a lot of the older generations have been re-added in. They've added Rhyhorn, uh, Baneri, just a lot of cute and cuddly ones. I feel like this was more of what I wanted, but at the same time, and I know I said I didn't mind like there being less Pokemon in the main game, I had to think, why was this kept separate? I know there's usually an Money. extended, bigger version of Pokemon released a year after the main game. If this is a model they want to continue, sure, that could potentially work. But at the same time, I'm thinking, how substantial was this? Did this need to be left out for another occasion? Which is a shame because I have generally enjoyed what I've been playing. You can pretty much start the DLC at any point in the main story since I've already beaten all the gyms. All of the wilds Pokemon peak at level 60. So when you go through to there, that progress still remains. If you were to go in at uh, any other stage, I think they uh, adjust accordingly. Yeah. Outside of that, there is also like a little bit of a story to it. Or basically just at this dojo and also get to your own new Pokemon friend with it, like, uh, he's a fighting bear type called Kung Fu. Uh, he's pretty cool. Uh, Everybody say Kung Fu. You know what I mean? Yes, uh, and so... Thank you. You can take him to either one of two towers, and it'll actively let you decide what kind of evolution or moves he wants to have. Oh, like an Eevee. Yes, like, I'm curious to see, could they do this with more uh, specific types in the future? Because... So often, like, when they introduce, like, the big summoning gimmicks, like uh, Mega Evolutions or Gigantamax, it's usually only, like, a very specific handful that get new forms or new looks to them. Like, specifically, it's usually the starters and maybe a few more of the iconic designs from earlier gens and stuff like that. Specifically, I think, one and three. Mm -hmm. I have a huge amount to say in it right now. I feel there is more to push through with this, but, you know, having a little more Pokemon to play in these times has been pleasant enough, and... There's plenty to see and do. I'm just concerned more about what the future is with Pokemon and this style of release, especially because of the recent Direct and there is more announcements of different stuff in the future. More money to spend. Yay. Oh, on Fortnite. Um... There is no Fortnite section, but there is a new one. Never been one. <laughs> this is emails. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. Oh shit, we got an email? <laughs> yes, someone actually listens to this show. I'm kind of amazed. I'm just gonna double check this. I'm gonna leave like second names out of this just for uh, you know personal reasons and stuff. This comes from Michael. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, is this I... my resignation letter? Got it. <laughs> I think Peter should appreciate Spider-Man PS4 more. However, 
more importantly, I want to hear what Michael has to say about the Snyder Cut. So talk about it again, please. And thank you. Firstly, that's a cool Michael we're talking to. Oh, he's not going to like that. <laughs> you know what? Instead, what I said about Spider-Man. Okay, here we go. And it sounds like as if, you know what? You know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to get hostile because I says that we're supposed to be creating a nice and welcoming environment. Yeah, what? No, I want to hear this. <laughs> Please, lecture us, Peter. I definitely think that Spider-Man was a strong game. Wow. Michael is currently holding up his Spider-Man. I don't even know what that is. Oh, just go. Just go. It's my it's my special edition art book. Right, okay. But I just think that it was a very strong game, but it felt very repetitive to the point where I lost complete interest before I even finished it. He says being a fan of Fortnite. No, 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 no. no. Hold on here. I didn't you know, say I was a fan of it. I said I played it. We're all equal views. We all try different things. Uh, even, if even when they're wrong. Even if it's questionable. Even if it's questionable, I like more than even if they're wrong. Because even though Fortnite is a questionable game, thank you, Mark, uh, it seems to be the most played in the world for a reason. Well, I, I think that is just partly untrue. Yes. Michael, any thoughts on that Snyder Cut that he's mentioning? Okay. I feel like he asked that because I liked Man of Steel. But just because I liked Man of Steel doesn't mean I liked Justice League. <laughs> the original cut, which I didn't. In fact, I think it was completely horrible. I hated Barry Allen, as we all know. Speedster tripping over his own foot. Anyway, I think, or at least I thought until they released a new trailer a few days ago, they're releasing this cut trying to polish a turd. Mm. Mm. This so, is very close to what I had said with Peter, I think, last yeah, time. Yeah, I originally thought, okay, if they use the same footage, there is not a lot they can do to redeem this movie. But it seems like there is some food. Obviously, there is. There's a lot of things left on the cutting room floor when, you, when anybody makes a movie. I just didn't think there would be enough to redeem the film. And then they showed a few extra scenes in the trailer that was out a few days ago that made me kind of think, yeah, maybe they could do a bit more. But I'm still not convinced. I think it's also just down to the fact, like, even though I wasn't really on board with a lot of the DC movies in the last while, it's just interesting that this particular, like, this vision is like gonna get like a supposedly uncut version of it and i do think there is a talk about the effects a director's cut can have and i feel like if anyone is going to make an updated version of a film that came out in 2017 that i do not remember even existing <laughs> well i mean good on them i'm glad they're getting the thing they want i'm just concerned about what does this mean for the future like does this actively stamp on the work that someone's done in the past We've been, like, critical on a lot of stuff here in the past, but it's never to the extent where, like, we actively dislike a person or, like, yeah. creative for what they do. Like, unless they have, like, some really uh, personal beliefs that, like, disagree with our own, but it's never on, like, a basis where I actively would disdain someone. Like, generally, to give it a little origin story about myself, when I was 11 years old, I went to see The Last Airbender. That was the film that broke me at 11 years old that made me say that was bad 
you know, when and you're a kid, everything's like a 10 out of 10. And oh, that film is turning 10 years old. And that's going to be the milestone. My origin story for what inspired me to get into just under doing film studies and stuff like that. And like I've actively disdained it for years, but not at any point in those last 10 years do I think I'm going to feel better if I send a death threat, you know, to the people involved for making this thing that probably most people have already forgotten about at this stage. There's just some fucked up people out there, you know? Like, you, uh, you did something I don't like, so I'm going to threaten you and your entire family. Does my head in. It can be off-putting as well, but any sort of art that exists for general consumption is always going to be in this weird space where it's like, as soon as it goes up... There's no way of knowing how everyone's going to interpret it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be fair, Avatar had, uh, sorry, The Last Airbender had a lot of potential to be great because the cartoon was phenomenal. Um, in regards to the Justice League thing, I have a greater love for DC characters more than I have for Marvel. Oh, we know that. However, what do you mean? How, how do you mean you know that? What was your opinions on Spider-Man again? <laughs> okay, I'll allow that. I'll allow that. I do have a deeper love for DC characters because they, they seem to have like, I don't. They seem to have a better grasp on how to like completely nail down characteristics of villains. But it's mainly I'm basically talking about DC's villains are better. But for Justice League, it just flopped. It was I. Mm. Yeah. Like I will, I will remember Avengers, all of them individually for however long I remember them for, and Justice League. I think I forgot about it three days after I watched it. It, I didn't. By God, did I did? I, yeah. I turned. It took my favorite superhero of all time, the Flash, and made me hate his guts. I know they turned him into like a real Sheldon Cooper sort. I think. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, I had no problem with, like, the hyperactivity, because that is, it's Barry Allen. But it's the fucking... Oh, hey, you know how your superpower is running? We're going to have you trip over your feet the entire movie. My favorite part is when Aquaman just sits and picks everybody apart. It's like, you're tripping over your own feet on mine. You're probably working for the enemy. You're past your prime. So it's the best part of it. Oh, if the, you know, the people who have been wa- waiting for this are going to be happy that it's eventually coming. And it is going to be like a big selling point for HBO's on streaming service. But I don't feel like there's enough there for me to really have interest in revisiting it. I mean, I like to think I'd be more focused on what comes after this because an important part about us as a human race is that we do make mistakes. We are going to costly mess things up. We will have the knowledge to take from those experiences and learn from them. Speaking of new things, here's docu-series. Uh, this is the new title we're giving for news that Peter suggested oh, in the last episode. PlayStation 5 reveal. Games you're interested in. Uh, Go. <laughs> 
Game 7 or the end. Uh, right. Backwards yeah, compatibility. Yeah. That's the only thing that's shouting nice things about uh, about me. Michael, uh, I'm, I am very excited. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart because I grew up with the Ratchet and Clank series and it was the first one that I thought really made me like a part of the gaming community because I would strive to finish it and, uh, as quickly as possible on the PS3. Wow. Okay. Um, Demon Souls Remaster. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. <laughs> Yeah, that was being done by Bluepoint. Uh, they did the Shadow of the Colossus remaster as well with the Uncharted ones. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what they I'm do. Metal Gear Solid. Was that Twin Snakes remaster or... Ah, right. Um, oh, no, they... Bluepoint did 2, 3, and... Uh, PSP1. Peace, Peace Walker. For PS3 right. and Xbox 360. The thing I was most impressed with the reveal is that it would have been easy for them just to rely on pre-existing franchises just to sell things. And in some respects, they do. Like, they had their things like Ratchet and Clank coming back, which I thought was good. It genuinely looked like it made use of the PlayStation 5, like, power yeah, to showcase it. And it was gameplay as well, which I was impressed by. There was a new Spider-Man reveal, which, you know, oh, we've had our talks about that earlier. I'm curious to see some of the early reviews for this because i've been a bit lukewarm on insomniac's recent games but you know what i'm i'm cautiously optimistic as they say question could yeah. i save money and not get the playstation 5 and just put my playstation 4 and a lever arch file it looks like seto kaiba with his colors upturned screw the rules i have my gut answer with like the system itself right now, like the only thing I was disappointed with was the lack of a date and price. Is that? Oh yeah. I do think with the aesthetic, I went. You know what? They went for it. They tried to make something different or add the status quo to make it look futuristic. But I'm going to potentially wait to see if they do like a slim model of this in like two or three years, or you know, a significant price drop. Or is it going to be like Apple and they just like inflate the price beyond belief because it's the name that you're paying for rather than the console? The majority of games that have come out, I'm mostly interested in. I am pleasantly surprised they're going for some more newer stuff. Like, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but there's this sci-fi shooter one. It looked slightly horror-based. Um, generally, its name is just not clicking with me right now, but... Oh, oh, the one that's like... Um... Every time you die, like it resets. And, an it edge return? of tomorrow kind of. Yes, that was it. It it, it looks really That's interesting. Wait, what is that? Sorry. Yeah. Returnal. Returnal. Return and, and eternal. The thing it succeeded at, especially when we had previously talked about the Xbox game reveal, is that this is going for the broader variety of stuff. It's not just big AAA releases. It's also going for more stylistic stuff, stuff that's a little more out of the box thinking. I'm genuinely really glad they've taken this sort of direction to try and spread the biggest net possible i think that is yeah. a good approach for them to take it was not perfect kind of like the look of kina it kind of looked like a pixar type pikmin game mm. there's there was another one as well it was one where it had like really ps1 looking characters but in a really nice hd environment i can't sorry like the names of the games have just like not like stuck with me for some reason yeah that's really i can remember kina Returnal, Stray. Uh, there was the. Uh, uh. I'm not sure why they started with GTA 5 though. Like. Ah, uh, duh. That was such a That's weird note. That I'm sick of. Maybe it's because <laughs> it's a fifth game for a fifth console. Yeah, maybe that that was probably the statement they had that just went, "Hey, five, five, whoa." Uh, I, 
<laughs> wait and see what comes out more of this. But right now, for them getting my attention, I think they are doing quite well with it. Although, this is the thing with me with most console releases is that I usually wait for a price drop or like one title that I know I can't skip. Like for this generation, it was Arkham Knights. The way they're working with the launch lineup is more like getting stuff out of Christmas. And I was just like, Ugh, I want to get it, but I know I shouldn't. Oh no, I'm here for it. I'm going to pre-order mine when I, when they release it. Uh, you're you're going to be the most up to date with the content on this show from now on. <laughs> you see, Michael, Which that's why I need because to. this you're week I'm not. <laughs> Save that cash. Oh, I'm saving it. This one wasn't actually a PlayStation related reveal, but this also just popped up with some other ones. At uh, there's apparently a new skate in production. Yes, skate four. I'm, that was during EA Play yesterday, two days ago. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Like there was another one with like the Tony Hawk remasters coming out. I feel like suddenly they're looking at this and thinking skater resurgence. Let's get back in on this market and sell this. Mm-hmm. Like, Hang on, uh, I'm coming back with another prop. No problem. <laughs> so the first one was Spider-Man's art book. This is. Uh, hold on, I'm, I need to bring up the thing. Sweet, looks nice. You've also blurred the skater days. No, like everyone uh, for Skype, they have this thing you can blur the background, and so because of that, like Peter is, you know, he's nice and in focus in the front. For Michael, like the skateboard he has, which does look pretty cool, is that it's just a little fuzzy and just out of frame, but... Um, Bear with me. <laughs> the under the background would be beneficial for I'm us, Michael. Blurring. You know what I, I would like? You know, a new skate, cool. Uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 being remastered, that's cool. You know what I want? Tony Hawk Underground remaster. Eddie in that was the biggest villain, worse than Sephiroth, worse than any villain in any medium. He was the absolute worst. Quick side note, Michael's skateboard looks like Tech Decks. Because <laughs> Tech Decks were designed to look like skateboards? Oh, I know that they were, but it looks like as if yours was designed for a Tech Deck. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not too sure, actually. It's, it's one of those tech tech deck. little tiny skateboards that you use with your two fingers to do ollies and stuff with. Is has got, like, the yellow, and it's basically navy underneath. And it's got like yellow and white lines on it. I was like, oh, take the clothes. <laughs> Probably a big shock. A I bit. didn't skateboard in real life, but I skate in games. That almost counts. You know, up, square, almost all counts. Yeah. yeah, almost. This is why we need the other Michael, because he could join me in, with the skate conversation. Well, let's email back that Michael. He can be the Kramer of this show. A wild card. Oh, do we add him as a third, as a fourth guest? Let's have a third guest because I am just an entity. (laughs) He's an intern. Yeah, he'll just come in as like a potential new one and maybe he'll end up being the fan favorite. The current Michael, like he's there. He's he's good. And Peter, you know, you're also, you're high on the list. Yes, the the 15 people who listen are all like, yeah, I want to know more of Michael. I like his views. And for Peter, they're like, I, I like his looks. That's what they say about Peter. They like my looks for a podcast from with no visual platform. <laughs> you see this window? Can I jump from it? <laughs> uh, Ladies and gents, we're going to conclude this episode here. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for listening. This has you been a bit nutty, but because I might actually jump. We appreciate you listening. Peter will hopefully return for the next one, and. 
all the serious talk aside, um, we do hope everyone's staying safe out there in these weird, confusing times. And hopefully we keep this on a two-week basis because we have had little delays, you know, for personal responsibilities and stuff like that. So, ladies and gents, that'll conclude. Michael, any last words from the listener? Boy, if you could see Peter's looks. (laughs) (laughs) We all want to see Peter's looks. Take care, guys. Bye.